Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaith. He's one of our elders, and this is our Wednesday evening conversation through the Law and the Prophets. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you're listening in on the uh, the Heart and Hands podcast, I really do appreciate it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share it. That really helps us out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed so you get notified uh, anytime we upload a video, which we're, we're uploading more regularly now. Yep. We're trying to get our sermons, all the assemblies, all cut down to the sermons and uploaded over to YouTube. So make sure to, to sit, stay subscribed for that. Um, I just want to let you know, if you enjoy the content here or if you are interested in supporting this ministry, you can go to our webpage. We do have a um, button there that you can donate if you're interested in partnering with us in this ministry. Yep. So this has been this has been a huge blessing to be able to do this. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. We get, we've, I mean, this is what we'd love to do, teach and preach. Yeah. So we'd really appreciate it if you're interested in joining. Just go and click that button for us. You, told, you said the other day you called me and said... You know, you had 90 people watching your class, and I said, I didn't know there was 90 people want to hear what I had to say. Well, and that was just that was just through one medium, but yeah, yeah. 90 people. That was that was incredible. So yeah. it, it is it's fun. It's a fun, you know, it's a it's a fun opportunity and reaching a lot of people, and it, and it's good. It's a good it's a good avenue. Well, you know, hey, we're we're teaching and preaching, and that's I think now more than ever. I mean, that's what we that's what we were called to do. We're not called to do anything but, you know, to, to teach the Word. That's all we're trying to do. Just stay in the yeah. book and teach the Word. That's not right. trying to teach our opinions. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes that'll come out. But, you know, we're not trying to teach our opinions. We're just trying to teach the Word. Yeah. Just, let's say what, see what it says. Sometimes it's, it's amazing even to us what it's saying. So, Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's pray and we'll get started. Yes, sir. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to, uh, to gather together tonight. Uh, to study again from from the book of Genesis and and to continue on with with where we've been uh, for so long, and I just pray, Father, you bless us as we as we do this tonight. I pray for our for the audience that they will uh, they will learn and they will grow and that they'll have uh, they'll have things that they'll learn that they can apply to their lives and and, and to uh, bring them in a closer relationship with you. That's our goal, Father, is that we all have a a, a closer, more dynamic relationship with you. Father, help us to help us to accomplish that from our end. And it's in the name of your son we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you, brother. Um, have you ever doubted one of the promises of God? And allowed, let me and let me add on to that, and allowed that doubt to dictate your action. Uh, or inaction. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure I have. I can think of things that that uh that life kind of kind of overwhelmed you for at a point, you know, and and you and you really don't think about the promise. You just you kind of running with the with the flow of it, you know, you know, family dynamic or something or or just whatever. And I'm sure that at some point I there was a doubt of some promise, you know, uh, you know, when we had when we have pro problems in the church, you know, and within the within the body, uh, it's it's really easy to get caught up in the problem. Hmm. And forget about the that God promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. The church is going to stand. I mean, you know, you can have problems within a within a congregation, and and lose sight of that sometimes, uh, because the problem can can get we we let the problem sometimes get to where it it's it's bigger than than the promise. 
And that's not good. It's not a good place to be uh, because God has promised that, that if we will do what he tells us to do, that he'll bless us and he'll bless this church as a, as a body of believers. He'll bless us. And, and we've got to be aware of that all the time. And it's easy to get, to get sidetracked. Satan would like nothing better than to sidetrack us. And so it, you know, I guess in that, in that vein, I've, I've gotten to that point where, where you doubt sometimes, you know, when you get, you know, as an eldership, you get uh, into a place where you're really struggling, trying to figure out a, a, a solution and a, and a direction and, and it can get easy sometimes to get caught up in the, in the, uh, uh, you know, that we're that we're big enough to fix this ourselves kind of mindset. What do you, what do you could you elaborate? What do you mean big enough to fix this yourself? So I mean, you know, surely as an eldership you tackle problems and provide solutions. Yeah, and and it's, uh, you know, when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with, uh, uh, and I don't want to get too specific. I, I can't really, but. Uh, you know, when, when we have had uh, problems, you know, uh, financial problems maybe, and we're trying to figure out solutions for it, and we know what the cause is, we know what the, what the reason is, and, and you get so caught up in the, in the whole dynamic of it, you know, the whole dynamic of, of X, X is not equaling Y and Y is not equaling Z, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you get so caught up <clears throat> in all of that that you lose sight of, you know, hey, it's... God says, put your problems on me. Quit worrying about this stuff. Well, you, you naturally worry, and you worry, and you fret, and then you look at it and say, you know what? You know, I, I, at one instance, you know, we all looked at each other and said, we're done. We're done. And it got to the point where I wanted to quit. I was, I was going to quit. You know, it got that hard. And I said, you know, wait a minute. You know, no wonder we're not, we're not accomplishing anything because we're trying to do this by ourselves. God said, don't do that. He said, don't do that. You're not smart enough to do that. So let me handle it. And so when we did that, then it started working. And mm-hmm. everything started falling into place. And, and you know, even things that that uh, that didn't seem like they could fall into place, man, I'm going, wow. I'm looking at the other guys. I'm going, are you understand what's happening here? Yeah. you understand what's going on here? You know, I mean, just the dynamic of you being here, you know, it took us, it took us at a point where we said, you know, we give up. I'm done. Can't do this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. And then, you know, God still was, was, you know, we were praying at that point, you know, that God, please, please find that guy, be with him, raise up his family, help his family to be strong. And then when it's time, bring him here. And that's exactly what happened. And I believe that's exactly what happened. Whether you know it or not, whether you knew it or not, that's exactly what was happening. Because we were praying for that, because we said, we said, you know what, we're we're done here, because mm-hmm. you can you can easily get into that 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 rut of, God says I'll take care of you, that's a promise, and start to do it all by yourself. Pandemic comes, and Satan gets a toehold in people's lives, and you can easily yeah. forget the promises. Well, and let's and let's clarify too, where is that promise? Because I I I can imagine a lot of people kind of pushing back a little bit on that, and saying, well. Where does it promise that he's going to, well, Matthew 28, 19 yeah. through 20, yeah. right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything mm-hmm. I've commanded you. And lo, I will be with you always. I will be with you even to the end of the age. In Ephesians chapter 1, he says, and he put he put everything under his feet. You know, everything. He's sitting at the right hand. He put everything under his feet. You know, God God says in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 or 2, he says, you're a chosen people. 
a oh, royal yeah. priesthood made to declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his into his marvelous light. You know, I mean, so we have we have our marching orders. Correct. God's not going to leave us out there and wind us up like a little toy and go on a vacation. Well, and that's what we're supposed to be focused on. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be focused on those marching orders. You know, you mentioned finances. Mm-hmm. You know, for a lot of congregations, that's a big question. It's hard right now. It's, it's really for, hard. We've been very well blessed. It has not happened here. You know, we've... we've, uh, we've Financially, we're we're doing we're really in good place, uh, but you know it, it has happened to some other places. Sure. Well, and how many families too? How many families are, are concerned? I mean, with COVID and with everything else, mm-hmm. how many families are concerned about their finances? Well, that's right why we're putting we're putting things into place. We're, we're going to look at and see that we are, you know things that were that may come this summer that we may help with. You know, we haven't finalized it yet, but we may help with that. Well, you know, and. We should remember one of the promises that God has made is, you know, hey, if you pursue my righteousness, these things being these things food will and be clothing will be yeah. added unto you, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right out of the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. Jesus makes it clear that mm-hmm. we should be pursuing the things of God. Yeah. Um, so it's too sounds... often, too often, especially in a pandemic or in a in a crisis. I mean, for there for a couple of weeks ago, we had, you know, I mean, it, you know, for South Texas, it really doesn't happen that often where oh, we yeah. where we get bombarded with weather that was just, I mean, Chicago-type weather, you know, that kind of, We live here because we don't have to deal with it, and then we had to deal with it, and it's hard for us. And it caused it caused some, some uh, consternation for people, you know, some difficulties for people. Oh, yeah. Uh, for some of our members. And, and uh, you know, it's easy to start lose sight of when you feel like you're getting beat up every single day. And I told somebody the other day, I said, I watched... When the power went out, and after the power had been out for two, three, four, five hours, I, I watched in my own home. I watched the, uh, there was uh, uh, the impatience starting, and the snipping, and the sniping, and as soon as the power came back on, everything was like a new day had, had dawned. <laughs> and that was not just happening in my home. It was happening everywhere. Yeah. And God says, I am the light of the world. Now, we're not talking about physical light there. We're talking about spiritual light. But, you know, when, when, we're, when it comes into question whether God's really got this or not and, it's, and the water's not running and the, and the toilets won't flush and the lights went off and it got no heat and, you know, you're not fortunate enough to have or if you're fortunate enough to have a fireplace and you ran out of wood, now what do you do? Yeah. Now you're cold and you got little kids and it's easy. It's easy to... To say, wait a minute, maybe God doesn't love us. Maybe God backed off. Maybe God, we start thinking like that. And it's not right, but that's what we do. And so it gets easy to start doubting. And we usually doubt when when the crisis comes, when there's crises in our lives. And I think all of us, all of us, not just me, all of us have experienced that. You know, you know, we have. Now, not everybody experienced that crisis when when we had all the cold, and not everybody's experienced the crisis in the pandemic. You know, some people have been very well situated to take care of, and everything's gone pretty well. Right. You know, I mean, uh, I didn't need a whole bunch of toilet paper. Had enough. You know, I, you know, I, you know, I don't. I, Georgia showed me a little a little picture, I guess, from Facebook or something, and she was a picture of a squirrel, and and he said, "Guys, it's just rain." Don't go out and buy all the groceries at the grocery store. <laughs> it's just right, but but we we uh, we tend to uh, uh, we tend to get uh, uh, cross 
crossways. You know what I'm saying? We tend, Absolutely. Yeah. We tend to get uh, uh, we get all worried. twisted up and worried yeah. about whether or not you know. I mean, when the power goes, like you said, you know, when the power goes out and the water goes out, and and you've got kids that that feed that you know you have to feed. Um, you got your wife, you know, you got your family, you know, or you've got an oxygen machine or something and, and it, and now it doesn't work or you've got, you've got equipment in your house and you've got a grandmother or grandpa, you know, that that's scary stuff. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, yeah for scary sure. stuff. And it's in those times that we really have to stop and, and pray. I think, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, you talked about, you know, letting go and just putting it on him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm relatively new to the church. And so one of the things I've had to learn consistently is the most important thing that I can do, not the last thing, not the smallest thing, mm-hmm. but the biggest, most important thing I can do for someone else, for myself, for my family, for anyone, is to pray, mm-hmm. is to talk to the Father about it, mm-hmm. to put it on Him, to give it up to Him. That's the biggest thing. Because, I, you know, when I first got into the church— you know, I'd, I'd heard that my whole life, that whole, you know, oh, yeah, we'll pray for you. And I was like, yeah, don't do me any favors. You know, you're, you're going to pray for me. Oh, gosh, it'll be saved. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I didn't because I didn't really believe it in part of your, It wasn't it part of your life. It not at all. Makeup. No. Mm-hmm. And I've had to go back, you know, and look, getting, getting, you know, starting to follow Christ, these things don't fix themselves just like that, no. you know, it takes time and, and fo- actually following him and having to learn that I can depend on him and that praying is a big deal and that it is the most important thing I can do. Mm-hmm. And so when things start going wrong, the answer, it's, it seems like from what you're saying, is stopping mm-hmm. and praying. Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think that's part of it. I think, it, I think it's uh, uh, having good people around you to where you stop and you say, you know what, uh, I need I need to I need to just step back for a minute and just pay attention, just look and just and just be aware of what's going on and what I've been doing here and how uh, unscriptural this has been. What I've been doing, not where it's where it's ungodly, but where I have I have taken this over myself, mm-hmm. didn't let God in, be involved, and it didn't work. Why am I surprised? Yeah. Why am I surprised it's not working? God told me I, I want to be a part of your life. He, you know, I'm. He's adopted me. I'm His son. He wants to be a part of my life. I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got a son, man. D- doesn't he want to be a part of your life? Yes. Don't you want to be a part of His? Yes. Well, He's a better father than you are. Okay. You're not. I mean, when it comes to rating you and, and oh, God as fatherhood, not even question. Yeah, not even question who's not better at question. it. <laughs> and and so I know that He wants to have a relationship with me. He wants to talk to me. He wants to, me to know that I'm okay, that he's got this. You know, Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, man, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Well, don't worry about what you're going to eat. You know, God's got this. He, he takes care of the birds. You know, how many people you know have a hummingbird feeder? Not many. I know lots of people. I know lots of people because I'm older. Got one, I, I can go outside. It's not full right now because they're gone right now. They say don't feed them right now. Because you don't want them to stay around, you want them to migrate like they're supposed to, and uh, but there's two of them hanging out there that we'll have when when the season comes, we'll have them full, and we'll have hummingbirds all over the place. Well, you know God's taking care of those by by creating that yard that we have where the hummingbirds can come and feed. He's taking care of them, and I'm way more important than that hummingbird is, so I know He's going to take care of me. You know, but I forget. Yeah. When I walk into H E B and there's no food on the shelves. 
I know people that freak out. Uh, I've known, heard of people that they go, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Man, you got enough food in your pantry for three months. What are you, why are you worried about it? God's already taken care of you. You know, if, if we had not had to got to go to the grocery store one time since that freeze for the next two months, we would not have gone hungry in our house because we've taken care of that. Made sure that we have, you and I talked about this, mm-hmm. moving here, having to deal with hurricanes. There's something you need to do. Yeah. And and it's a, because God's taken care of us and God's going to provide well, for how us. How awesome is it that we live, especially in, in this nation, that we live in this nation. We're so blessed to live in this nation and be able to do things like that, to be able to take advantage of things like that. And it's a blessing. Absolutely, it's a blessing. Um, so, but, you know, and, and, and God's so... You know, the text we're going to deal with today, you know, he's going to doubt, he's going to lie, and God's not going to just blow him plumb up. Well, let's, and that's and that's a good point. So we're in Genesis chapter 20 today. Mm-hmm. We finished uh, Genesis 19. It took us a while to get through that chapter, but we did get through it, and now mm-hmm. we're in 20. So we're back with Abraham and what's going on with him. And so uh, if you remember, just kind of want to briefly go over it. God has made some awesome promises to Abraham. Absolutely. Starting in chapter 12. Um, he has continued to make these promises. These promises have been about him having a son. Now, Abraham has been childless most of this time. But if you remember, he made a misstep with Hagar. Now, he has a son named Ishmael. He tried to get those promises conferred through Ishmael. God said, nope, I'm going to bless Ishmael, but you're going to have a son through Sarah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the child of promise. So that's all kind of gone on. Now that we're continuing with Abraham's life after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. So in chapter 20, starting in verse 1, Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said to his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Oh, we've heard this before. Yes, we have. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, oh, there's another king, look at that, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say, he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. This is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. Early the next morning. Let's just, let's stop right there. (laughs) Okay. What? (laughs) Let me get this straight. I want to clarify, make sure I have my facts here in a row. Abraham lied about his wife again. For the second time. For the second time. He did it in Egypt, too. Yeah, because he did it in Egypt, too. In fact... Well, I'm well, going well, to wait. <laughs> it's not really a lie. Oh, my gosh. It is... Okay. <laughs> it's not really a lie. Yeah, just It's a little lie. <laughs> it's, it's a little lie. But you, you have to... It's not... Because he she is his sister. She's also his wife. <laughs> I'm not debating that. I'm just telling you. It, 
<laughs> it, it's not, guys, we, we've, been, we've been laughing about this before we even started recording this. And, and, you know. It is 100% a lie. <laughs> the dude isn't asking Abraham, like, uh, hey, who, who is that, who's that woman? You know, oh, she's no big deal. I'm just, you know, no, you don't have to actually tell me the truth. You know, I'm not going to like, you know, try to be her husband or anything. <laughs> Do whatever, you know, tell me whatever answer doesn't matter. The dude is obviously like, hey, you know, is she with you? Because if not, you know, hey, I'm going to. Abimelech, his, his reasoning is, I want her for me. Right. I yeah. want her. Yeah. Okay. He pulls her immediately into his yeah. house. But he didn't have relations with her. He doesn't. Because God won't let him. Well, because God's incredibly kind. And loving and generous. And, so, and remember, guys, what we talked about before. This is a beautiful woman. Apparently. Well, that's what he said. Yeah. Said she was this woman was this woman was beautiful. That's why he was afraid because she was a beautiful woman. That's right, correct. Yes, yes. And he was afraid that they'd want they're gonna kill him. That's what right. he was afraid the first time. He's gonna be afraid of the same thing here. Well, and that's and that's absolutely so within the, the Hebrew narrative, this is a repeat and it's an intentional repeat. We're supposed to understand that that previous narrative applies here. He, this is being brought up again. Mm -hmm. And so this is very common. We have more information this time. Yes, yes. Because well, Abraham says some things here he didn't say before. Now, it's, it's actually it's, it's, it's a similar narrative, and it's meant to help us understand that Abraham is still struggling here. You know, and, and that's fine. Abraham is still struggling, but he absolutely lied. This isn't a half lie. This is a lie. Oh, he didn't actually. No, he, he didn't. fully lied. <laughs> no, he didn't. And this no, this poor no, man, no. this poor king. Yeah, and I, he does. He does. You know, his intent is to save his own skin. That's exactly. That's right. his yeah. his his whole intent because he's afraid. In spite of the promises, you know, he forgot what God said, just like we were talking about a while ago, what you asked me a while ago. Mm -hmm. He forgot what God said. He let the moment dictate what he was going to do. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll lie again. It didn't work the last time, and it's not going to work this time. That's right. But, but you know, I think what's neat here is is that, uh, that God shows up to a, a, a Abimelech's a Philistine, Okay. I looked this up before I came over. He's a Philistine. So he is not part of the chosen nation of people. Abraham is. And by all accounts, it's a sinful nation. But Abimelech here, he said, we're innocent here. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back against that a little bit. Okay. Um, we'll get when we get there. All right. On this, this idea that the Philistines are currently a sinful nation. Well, but... Let, they let's do say, eventually let, become one. Let's say, sure. let's say, I, I agree, okay. But right now, who's God dealing with? Abraham. And he's told him he's going to send him to a land and, that, and, and you know, don't take wives from there right. because these people are not good. That's what I'm going by. Okay. These are people outside of the realm of Abraham's fellowship of people. Well, but for people who are outside the realm, look at his response here. I, and I agree. He, 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 does have, he does have an understanding of God. He does. Now, when you start seeing David and you start seeing Goliath, these are the same people. They are a sinful, yes. nasty people. Well, and remember, in I believe it was Acts chapter, or Acts, excuse me, rather, I believe it was Genesis chapter 15. God even tells Abraham, um, look, the, the, in, the iniquity, let's go over there real quick to Genesis 15 because I don't want to mis, misquote it. Um, so it's right at the... Uh, should be right at the beginning of chapter 15. 
Um, I am the Lord, verse 7, who brought you out of the Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of, but how can I know? So the Lord said, bring me a heifer. So it's right here at the end. Here we go. Verse 12, as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation that serves as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You ever will go to your ancestors to peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Mm -hmm. So... Yes, there were people that were sin in this land. Obviously, mm -hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So obviously, there's sin in this land. But based on a couple of things, remember that in currently in the city of Jerusalem, it's not called Jerusalem, but the king of Jerusalem was just recently Melchizedek, mm -hmm. who is a priest of the Most High God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Abimelech here in chapter 20 is obviously aware. He's obviously aware, He's aware of, of God. God and Absolutely. his law. Yeah. So this is, and this is why this is one of those things that this is a side note, but it's important for us to consider this down the road. God's law existed long before He made a specific law at Sinai. Mm -hmm. There has always been a law, mm -hmm. always. It's that law that was trend that has been transgressed over and over and over again. Well, and it, it, it's a law. I mean, you may not call it this, but it's a law of right and wrong. Yes. There's a law of, of sin and, and rightness, you know, of, of doing right and doing wrong. I mean, you know, even children are born with that innate understanding that there are things that they can should not do. Well, uh, and that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. Mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. may, I mean, he makes that very clear. Yes. What, I, what all I want us to take away from, the, at least for this portion of it, is that this, obviously, people were aware of God and aware of his expectations. Mm -hmm. Because Abimelech's protest here is very clear. And when he confronts Abraham, he but, says, this should not be done to anyone. But there is a wickedness here. All right? On the behalf, behalf because, of Abraham. Be, no, because his thought process in Egypt was, if I don't do this, they will kill me. That's what he says here, too. Right. So there is, you know, th that's not right. You take a man's a sister or wife, and you kill him because you want her more than... That's sinful. But how often do we think of things as one way? Are they really that way? Well... I mean, if Abimelech is so upset about this, and he's saying very clearly to God, hey, this I wouldn't have done this. I didn't know this. I'm doing this with a clear conscience. And God says, yeah, I know. I'm well aware of that. And that's why I've kept you from sinning. In this because, regard. Well, because he knows Abimelech is innocent. So if Abimelech was planning to take, I mean, and we're, okay, and let's be very clear, we're very much in the realm of theoretical. Yeah. We're, we're, we're very much talking theory. We're very much looking between the lines of the text. Mm -hmm. Okay, so don't, you know, we're talking, well, be very I'm careful asking, here. I'm asking when you get, when you get a, uh, well, uh, let's read on just for a bit. Sure, right, sure. We'll come back. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. When he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and asked. Now, see, they were afraid. What are they afraid of? They're afraid of this God. For sure. So they have had some experience with this God yeah. of some kind. And he said, what have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, 
There is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. You see? What does he what does he say? His perception of this place is, you know, now I'm not saying what he does is right, but his perception is if I don't do something, now what has he done? He's forgotten the promises of God. For sure. Absolutely. And he's gotten in he's gotten into a situation here where he's looking around and saying, What am I gonna do? It's just like we do. Absolutely. We get into a situation in eldership, we get into a situation as a parent, we get in a situation as a church. Or get in a situation at a job, and we think, what am I going to do? I know. I'll do this. Didn't consult God. Forgot the promise of what God said. God said, if you stay faithful to me, I'll take care of you. And we say, okay, how am I going to to do this? I know what. I'll just go along with the dirty jokes and the stuff, and I I won't even, you know. And we didn't stay faithful to God. And, and, And so here he says, he said, well, I was afraid. I knew there was no fear of God here. Why do you know that? He said, there is surely no fear of God in this place. How do you know that? Remember, they've just come from Sodom and Gomorrah, which where there was absolutely no fear of God there. So there was evil in the land. Could it have been here too? Yes, could have been. But let's keep going. Okay. This isn't, I see, I don't think this has anything to do with Bimelech and his people specifically. Oh, I don't think so either. I think it has everything to do with, with, him. with Abraham. Because mm-hmm. look, it says here, you know, besides, she really is my sister, the lamest excuse since Adam said, you know, it's the woman's fault that you gave me. It's lame. These are lame Something excuses. Wrong yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Adam, Adam's Adam's excuse to God why he ate the she fruit broke. from the tree is, she you broke know, well, you gave her to me. She's yeah, obviously she defective. Broke. You know? <laughs> That's a yeah. word. Obviously defective. Yeah. No, and this is just as lame, okay? Look, the Bible accurately recorded Adam making a lame excuse. And look, it recorded one. It recorded Abraham making a very similar lame mm-hmm. excuse. Right, so it makes it really clear. Besides, she really is my sister, so I'm, I'm only kind of well, Look at read verse 12 all the way through. Yeah, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. So she technically is his sister. Yeah. <laughs> She's <laughs> also technically his wife, he, and he neglected. What is that called? A sin of omission? Yes. Guys, we are in agreement here. Uh, we're, we're just having some fun here, but it, but it is, uh, uh, it, Abraham does is wrong. Oh, yeah. It's wrong. He he is trying to save his own skin. He's forgotten what God has said, what God has promised. God's going to get him through this no matter whether he tells him he's his wife or not. Well, and look what he says in verse 13. And when God had me wander from my father's household, not when we approached Abimelech and his land in the, in the, in the, the kingdom of Gerar, not, you know, as I came upon this people and saw how sinful they were. That's not what he said. He said, right when God had me wander from my father's household. In the military, we call that a standing order. Mm -hmm. So this is the order, right? I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. That's a standing order. That's not a, oh, yeah, you know, just when we go here or go there. So what are you saying? That he's done it more than once? I'm saying that I am saying that the repetitive nature of the narrative makes me wonder if this isn't, if this has happened not just twice, but multiple times. And not only that, we see his son do this very same thing. We see Isaac do this. Yeah. Well, where did Isaac pick it up? He learned from his daddy. So make sure that when we get there, that if I forget or you forget, we gotta we gotta bring ourselves back to this and see, hey, where did he learn how to do this? Yes. Learn it from his father. There's there's a big lesson there. And we'll talk about yeah. it when we get there. And when get we there. get there, yeah. But my, my point here is this has been a standing order for his household, for his mm-hmm. family, for his wife. Yeah. Hey, whenever we move yeah. into a new mm-hmm. place, you just tell him you're my sister. And, and you're tell, you tell him, excuse me, that I'm your brother, right? Then Abimelech. Because, you know, 
if you're trying to justify stuff in our lives like we do a lot of times, oh, man. it is the truth. But that's not what Abimelech is. Want. He, <laughs> you should have said, man, she's my wife. Don't touch her. Don't touch her. She's my wife. And you know what Abimelech would have done? Okay. And what would God have done? God would have protected Abraham. He forgot. He got caught up in the moment, and evidently he forgot. Otherwise, why does he do this? Why does he need to do this? There's no reason to do this. It's always it's always something. You know, we've just seen a major judgment um, of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. So we've seen fire rain out of heaven. That's, mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. last thing that happened in the narrative. That I imagine that was a traumatic event. Oh, absolutely. You know, when Abraham is standing over the ridge and he's seeing the smoke rise from Sodom and Gomorrah, that's got to be traumatic. You know, it's, it's, well, at that point, he doesn't know whether a lot's alive or not. He has no idea. Well, and then if we go back to the when he went down to Egypt, he went down to Egypt to escape a famine. Mm-hmm. So these major horrible events that are occurring, and by horrible, I don't mean what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah is horrible in the sense that what God did wrong. I just mean it was a horrible event. God's judgment is a horrible thing to behold. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. terrifying in its fullness Think about what it was like to experience it for the Sodom for the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, I, your your number is up, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which I don't remember which judgment, famous preacher. You know, we talked about this in our in our small group Sunday night. Uh, judgment, when Jesus comes back to in judgment, when he comes back, it is going to be ugly. Oh, yeah. He's going to come back in flaming fire with his powerful angels and take vengeance, what it says. And the word is vengeance. Yeah. You know, uh, we've seen God take vengeance before. It never looks good. It's 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 always ugly. People die, people are, are annihilated. It's always bad yeah. when that happens, and it will happen again. So you know, and and but here, Abraham's the promise to Abraham is that I'm going to make of you a great nation. He forgot. Well, and going all the way back to Genesis chapter twelve, you know, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Mm-hmm. You know, God. In other words, God's like I'm in your corner. So what are the promises given to us? To us, what are the promises that we forget? Mm-hmm. What are the promises that we forget? You know, for I think for me, it's, uh, you know, I, it, you, I would have said early on, you know, in my walk, it was it was definitely financial. You know, God has said that He's with me. God has said that if I, as long as I pursue His righteousness, food and clothing will be added unto me. Um, God, you know, Christ says very specifically that you know God, God is a great Father who knows how to give good gifts, right? Mm-hmm. And I would have said very early on in my walk with Christ, it would have been a question of finances. You know, am I going to be taken care of? Do I do I need to worry after those things? Now I think oftentimes it's I, I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I, I think I have a hard time. When I mess up, when I fail in some way, it's, you know, my response isn't immediate. That was the wrong thing to do. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to go this way. Mm-hmm. You know, immediate repentance and turning and, and going the right way. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's I'm going to run away mm-hmm. because I'm so ashamed of what I've done even though Christ has said, you're forgiven, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I think that's, that for me is, is kind of the one I struggle with the most, that, that just awesome nature of forgiveness that we have in our Father, mm-hmm. you know, even when we mess up, you know, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from our sins. Instead of looking at confession as a gift, it's looked at as a, uh, like this insurmountable mountain. And, you know, and a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that I wouldn't forgive me. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you know, I mean, there, there's a, I mean, he's promised salvation to us. Yeah, he's promised an abundant life. That doesn't mean he's promised to make us all rich and, and healthy. No, that's not what it says. That's not what that text says. I know there are people out there that say that, but that's not what it's saying. No. He says, "I'm going to give you a life, an abundant life." Well, I'm going to tell you something, guys. 
you know, I've been I've been looking forward to doing this for a couple of days because this is a lot of fun. I enjoy doing this. You know, we we uh, uh, we live streamed my Sunday morning class for the first time. I was scared to death, nervous. Man, it was fun. You know, I had gotten a chance to record it for so many times, and I it was fun to do. And that to me is I look in the mirror and say, man, the talent I've been given it's amazing to me. It's a it's amazing. That's an abundant life for me. I don't have a whole lot of money. Don't need a whole lot of money. Not going to be rich ever. But, you know, for me, the abundant life means he's given me a talent that I never dreamed was possible in my life. You know, I told my class, I think I told my class Sunday morning, I almost, I almost failed two classes in my life. Trigonometry, that's a, okay, I, I give you that. And speech. <laughs> God had a different plan for me. You know, I'm not saying my speech teacher was any good, but God is really good at, at giving you gifts and talents that he wants you to have. Those are promises yeah. that we forget sometimes. We can't. I can't forget that God's blessed me with the abilities that I have and the talent. He's blessed you with the abilities you have, you know, and you, and you do them to try to lift up people around you. We forget when times get tough. Yeah. We forget. You know that hey that God's involved, just like Abraham. Just like Abraham. And this is one of the one of the biggest things for me. Why I I mean I love Abraham because I see myself in mm-hmm. Abraham. You know mm-hmm. I see myself doing the same the same stupid thing. You well, know you know and I I thought about it today. I was thinking about it this morning. I think I wonder what question he's going to ask me today. Hmm. So I read that read the text. I knew what text we were going to do, and I said he's going to ask me if I ever lied. <laughs> what are you going to ask me? No, no. That's what no. he's going to ask me. If I ever lied. No. And I was thinking. Have I? Yeah, of course I have. I just, I just don't remember. I don't remember doing that. Yo, but, you know, this is, I like that question better. You know, have I ever doubted a promise that he made? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we do it all the time. Yeah. I've done it as an elder. You know, gotten so focused on what we were doing and forgot what he told us already. You know, and it's, and it's a, you know, here's, here's Abraham. God's made so many wonderful promises to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And and it's he but he's like we are. I can't fault him. I can't fault him at all. I would have probably if I was in this situation, I'd probably done the same thing. I said, Oh no, no, guy, hey, man, big guy? No, she's my sister. Not a problem. Go ahead. Can you imagine what he's thinking? This gorgeous wife has just been taken off, led off. To a Philistine's house, he doesn't know that she hasn't had relations with him. He he doesn't know that. What does he think's happening? He's a man. What does he think's happening? Oh yeah, for sure. If somebody, if if you told somebody, well, no, Jessica's my sister. Well, I want to. Okay, all right. Please don't hurt me. What are you going to be thinking happening over there? Yeah. You know. Well, that's what he's. He, you know, I mean, it's it, that's his fault. Because he's the one that told him it was his sister, you know. Think, you th- can you imagine what the conversation is like when Abraham and Sarah get back together? I, I you know, I can imagine what the conversation would have been like between me and Georgia. I can, I know what that conversation would have been like. You wouldn't have been able to get "she's my sister" out of your mouth. No, no, <laughs> no. She, are you out of your mind, man? I, that guy's not gonna put his hands on me. I let him, let him cut your head off. But you know this is a whole different dynamic, whole different situation. Now, 
and for him just to have gotten called and went and then to be promised. He still hasn't realized any of those promises yet. No. He hasn't, doesn't even have a son yet. God said, told him, no, Hagar is and Ishmael, Ishmael's not the guy. Well, in, in Genesis chapter 18, he came and he said, you know, around this time next year, I'm going to come back to you and Sarah's going to have a son. And so... And they laughed. And they laughed. Well, and this Sarah laughed that time. Yeah. Abraham laughed before. Before, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, it, she's, she's going to say, whoever would have thought that me at my old age would be nursing a child? You know, and, let, and even let's take a step back and look at this big picture. You know, we look at all of these things and we say, Abraham doubted. Abraham didn't believe. Abraham didn't have faith. Yet the scriptures make it very, very clear that Abraham is our father in the faith. Yeah. In Romans chapter, I think, believe it's chapter 4, Paul makes it clear that Abraham did not doubt the promises of God. And I want to I bring that up to say this. We look at these things and say, oh, he doubted. We look at these things, and, and from our understanding because and our we, perspective— Because that's what we do. Well, it's because it's what we do, and it's how we understand doubting. Yeah. God's perspective on doubting is very, very different. different. I like what, what's happening here, though. From God's perspective, how God is 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 alive and well in Abimelech's life. He's alive and well in the Philistine's life. He's alive and well in Sarah's life. And he's alive and well in Abraham's life. He has not held this against him because he does see doubting from a different perspective. You know, he does see what Abraham does different than what we see it. You know, Abraham made a choice that was not in accordance with what he should have been doing. And God said, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in and hold this back." Well, and that, that's very encouraging for me. Look at God's faithfulness here. You know, I mean, we we say Abraham is the father of faith, but remember, God is ever faithful. That's all He knows how to be. And so, even though Abraham is messing up, God said, "I'm gonna bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you." When Abimelech took Sarah into his wife. Even though Abimelech had no idea he was doing the wrong thing, even though Abimelech had no intention God, to do God the wrong right thing, God got right in the middle of it and said, nope, he's my prophet. He's the one that I'm going to bless. You now need to go to him and ask him to pray for you, even though you didn't do anything wrong. Mm. Why? Because God made a promise to Abraham. And what amazes me is as we get through all of this and we, we go farther and farther and farther in the book, you're going to see the people that come from here are going to really test God. Oh, man. And it's going to get so bad to the one point where he's going to tell Moses, get out of the way. I'm going to destroy them and I'm going to make a view a great nation. That's yeah. how bad it gets. Yeah. You know, God, is, God is, is, is alive and well in this guy's life. And it's really encouraging for me. It really is encouraging for me. I know I'm not his prophet like Abraham was. He's not going to bring a great nation for me. But what he, what he does what it does teach me is, that if God is is involved like this in this guy's life, then there's a good chance he's involved like this in my life. Well, because remember what Paul says, right? We are uh, Abraham's children, Galatians, which Galatians, Galatians three, three. Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We receive the same promises that yes. Abraham got. Yep. And he, he received physical and spiritual promises. We receive spiritual and physical promises as well. It's 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 an amazing thing. Being able to say we are descendants of Abraham. And because of our faith in Christ, because of our obedience to the gospel, we get to say those things. And so notice here at the end, then Abimelech brought sheep after this lame uh, excuse by Abraham. Look at Abimelech's action here. 
He brings sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gives them all over to Abraham. And he returns Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, my land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you. Before all who are with you, you are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God. Remember, he told Abimelech, yeah. go tell Abraham to pray for you. Then Abimelech prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female slaves so they could have children again. For the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. You know, you wonder how long did this go on? That's what I was about to say that. We read through this story, and we think it's like a wham-bam, thank you, ma'am. Like it happened. No. But this went on for a while. This is obvious. To me, it seems obvious that it went on. This At least this part into the chapter here lends us to think that this this took a little bit longer than... Than just like a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Yeah. It was it went on for a while. Because, you know, the, the whole nation, I mean, this whole his whole household quit having kids, quit getting pregnant. You know, and you know, I mean that 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 was that was what these people all of these people prided themselves on and having big families and having lots of lots of sons and daughters and you know, and and now they're all they're all barren. They're not having children. Nobody's getting pregnant. And 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 it's because God stopped it. Stepped in the middle of it. You know, do you ever wonder how much God steps in the middle of all of this? Oh. I, you know. You know, I'm, our world <laughs> says that's not possible. It doesn't do it. And we read over and over to Gilbert. We're going to go through a lot of stuff, guys, as we read through the Law and the Prophets. And you're going to see God in the middle of these people's lives all the time. And, and. I'm going to tell you the next chapter. When we get to the next next week, we get to this next chapter. This is us. Chapter 21 is about the birth of Isaac. That is the the continuing on of the promise that we're going to come from. We're coming from this, okay? You know that. And so now we're we've been involved all along. God's had us in mind all along. He's had the church involved, in, but here's Isaac's going to be born. Finally, the promise. Is going to be fulfilled in this son that he's going to have, and uh, and we're going to be in the. So how much is God stepping in the middle of this to make sure that we're okay? How much is He stepping in the middle of us today so that they're okay down the road? God knows what He's doing, and we need to be. We need to decide we're going to hook our wagon to Him. Absolutely, and we're going to go where He takes us. We're not going to deviate. Off to the left or right, we're gonna stay out of the ditches, and we're gonna and we're gonna stay keep going forward because he's faithful. Because he is faithful. Because he's gonna see us through. And he end. does not see doubt the way we do, no. because he does say in Romans that Abraham did not doubt. When a reading of the text, a reading of Genesis, would immediately lend us Let, to the only conclusion that that he, he doubted, doubted and he was afraid. And we, I think, as a man, he probably was afraid. Well, and it's important to remember that God just doesn't see doubting like we do. No, he doesn't. And so that's one of the most one of the most important things that we have to do as Christians, as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, is come back and say, okay, God, the world has taught me all these things. The world has tried to teach me what love is. It's tried to teach me what faith is. It's tried to teach me well, all of these things. But what do you say they are? Well, you know, I, and I look at this and I say, you know, I commit a sin. I say I commit a sin and I've done it before. And I automatically look at myself in the mirror and I'm saying, I'm no good. That's not how God sees me. That's right. He does not see us through that same prism 
that we see it. Does it mean I need to keep doing that? No, but, but he doesn't see us the same way. He loves us with a love that is beyond our scope of understanding. The question when we sin is whether we're going to get back up and follow Christ. Absolutely. That's always the question. It was, it was the question for Peter. And sadly, so many people don't. And Satan, and Satan is working overtime in our society today, trying to keep people down and not letting them get up. And keep help, helping and and making them follow him instead of following the one we're supposed to be following. That's right, man. Learn a lot from this, guys. Learn that God really does have the power to get involved in your life, but you've got to let Him do that. You've got to have a relationship with Him. You've got to come to Him on His terms and say, God, say, God, please teach me what I need to do so that I can have a relationship with you. He's already done it through Christ, made it possible. That's right. And all we got to do is be obedient to Him and follow Him. Jesus said. You know, he said, you can be my disciple. You deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And that means, and you know, the text I taught Sunday, Sunday morning was, this is what you do in the world. In the world, you walk and you live like Jesus. That's the job. That's right. Okay? We good? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study this evening. I pray, Father, that our audience has learned. I pray that we have learned and that we've seen you from a different perspective, maybe, than we've, than we've known you before. Father, we are, it, it's so amazing to, to start to get an insight into you and to see how you, how you approach things. Father, I pray that our audience is seeing that and I hope that's coming across from how we're teaching this. Bless us, Father, as we do that. Help us to get better and help us to get more faithful to you and more committed and more dedicated to you as we move forward. And it's in the name of your holy son we pray. Amen.